The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 125th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. I know how you might be feeling a little bit considering uh, your little bet that you just had changed, but how you doing my man? I am doing well. I won a lot today. I actually won quite a bit today. So, I, I mean, it wasn't a bad day. Um, I hit like four of my six bets, but it could have been five for six. But I, human error, human error is what it came down to. And I will live with that. But I am doing great. I am exactly seven days before I leave for the Jericho Cruise uh out of miami to the bahamas so y'all get to hear all about that on the show uh man they are making you go through the ringer uh sun monday i have to get a pcr test and i have to have a past pcr test with me uh with me when i go to i go to the dock and then when i get to the dock i have to have my vaccine where I have to say I've been fully vaccinated two weeks before the uh, two weeks before the thing, then uh, and then I have to then take a rapid test before I get on the boat that day. Yeah, I I I I, I commend you for still going on this because like I'm a big cruise guy and like I have to kind of I'm kind of just waiting until everything's fully blown over before I even consider going back on a cruise because like this. You got to go through so much vetting to be able to go because, I mean, like those things can I mean, like we saw what happened at the beginning of the pandemic with with cruise liners and how they just basically they're you're it's it's a super spreader waiting to happen. Well, the way they're doing this, I feel like I'm going to be in the safest place on the planet. Yeah, they've yeah. they've vetted as much as they yeah. possibly can. Like like they've made sure like it's the only way it could happen now. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so I'm excited. The reason I'm still going is this, uh, your last day to cancel was in June, which I thought about it, but I was like, we're going to get a dynamite on the boat. Uh, we're going to get a six man tag team belts decided on the boat. 
I'm like, I'm getting all of this on the boat, and I've never been on a cruise. I'm super excited. Because as of June, that was still, as I understood it, the plan. So I didn't cancel. Then, slowly but surely, you're fine, you find out, oh, Dynamite's not going to be on the boat. Okay. Not only is Dynamite not going to be on the boat, Dynamite is going to be in Orlando while you're on the boat. <laughs> then, oh, you know all the AEW stars that were on the boat, like Cody, Kenny, the Bucks, everybody was on the boat last time. Yeah, none of them are going to be on the boat. Huh. Yeah. So who, who are we getting? Oh, you're getting Britt Baker, Orange Cassidy. Oh, good list. I'm never, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna. But I'm like, so, but who's the big name? Who's the A-lister? You know, Jer- it's Jericho's boat, so of course he's gonna be there. But you're thinking you get Omega, a Moxley, Brian Danielson, you know, CM Punk, a big name. I'm a huge name. Let me say, huge name. No, we don't get that. And so I am, it's a cruise. I've never been on a cruise. I am prepared to enjoy myself. I bought the the beverage package so I get to drink as much as I want. Perfect. Always so, get that. So, uh, you know, so even if somehow on this floating hotel with nothing but wrestling matches going on and the great Will Ospreay in attendance, somehow I'm not going to get fun. And I somehow... I figure out a way not to have fun. I can get just blackout drunk and forget that I was there. So, my good friend, I I will be the biggest advocate for cruises as possible. And despite the fact that like the mega stars aren't going to be on the cruise, um, I will let you know. Like as somebody who had their first kiss on a cruise line, cruise lines fucking rock. So you're gonna have a ton of fun. I promise you. You had your first kiss on a cruise line? It was like the definition of like a Disney Channel, like, oh my God, like you would have heard like the oohs in the background, like the from the crowd, like filmed in front of a studio audience sound. Like, yeah, that was where my first first kiss was. Like, it was his, it was honestly like it didn't feel real. It felt like this was part of a TV show. That is so awesome. That is so, yeah, so. Yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, so cruise lines rock, so you're going to have a lot of fun, I promise you. Yeah, my wife's, you know, going on a wrestling cruise, so, I mean, I can't I can't bitch. Life is good. I, w- I want to make sure it's clear that I'm not bitching. It's just what I signed up for. Was what, like, the original one was and was, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's not going to quite be that. So, as much as I don't want to feel this way, because... Because I'm going to have a great time. It's going to be an amazing time. I kind of feel like, ah. I'm like, I'm not going to have the same time as the people that were on the boat the first two times, you know, or the first time. Sure, so, yeah. yeah so. But but regardless, the Jericho cruise will still be a lot of fun. So definitely yeah, send me pictures from yeah, that. I've never met Chris Jericho. So this will be my first picture with Chris Jericho. There you I, go. I've gotten stuff signed for him virtually, but I've never actually met Chris Jericho. So I am really excited that that's going to happen finally. Because if, as you may imagine from hearing on this show, my list of people I haven't met is not very long. So the fact that I get to 
meet Chris Jericho, hear Fozzie play live. I've never heard them play live. That's all going to be great. Yeah, absolutely. So have fun on that. And we got a lot to talk about today with AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage. And of course, there is no AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. It will be back on Saturday. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. So we're still previewing everything that's happening this weekend in AEW. But before we get into all of that, I want to make sure you guys are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can leave a rating and a review, and if you're so inclined, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. But the easiest way for you guys to support us is on social media. On Twitter, we are at ATElitePod. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this show possible and check out all their other shows on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And the big news of the week is the fact that we are getting Saturday Night Dynamite this week. So tomorrow or today when you guys are listening to this, you will not have Dynamite on your normal time. It will be on Saturday and so that means Rampage will be the kickoff of the week of AEW, uh, if you don't count Dark. And then we go from Rampage to AEW Dynamite on Saturday. So be so, sure to be prepared for that. So we also got announced a surprising announcement. I'm glad we actually recorded the show later today that this week we are going to get a Rampage buy-in. Now, yes. we'll talk about the matches later. But I just thought this was really, 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 really uh, petty of our man, TK. I love it. He responds to petty with petty. The WWE is on FS, the SmackDown's on FS1 this Friday. They decided to extend their show 30 minutes as to compete with Rampage. Like, like their show literally no reason to extend 30 minutes. They extended it 30 minutes as to compete with Rampage. So, uh, Tony TK, who has been very good about not trying to compete with SmackDown, his show comes on after SmackDown. His goal is that you watch SmackDown and then turn it on Rampage. That's always been the take. Watch WWE first, turn it on Rampage, and enjoy both shows. So, he felt, you know, he felt some type of way about WWE just saying, hey, we still kind of mess up your crap. And Tony's like, okay, well, I'm going to give my fans, my people at the show, live wrestling on YouTube as far as the Rampage buy-in. And then when we get to the matches earlier, you can tell this man was not playing. He didn't give anything away. But it's still pretty awesome. So, do you feel? Do you feel he's justified in his pettiness? I love petty, so of course I feel he's justified. But I'm asking you, Mr. Austin, a person that works in TV, is he justified in the petty? Well, considering that SmackDown is a show that takes place on Fox, and they're actively trying to extend their show when they don't need to, like AEW is not actively competing with SmackDown. They look, they they fired the shot right then and there. So like with this, they didn't they didn't have to do this and they did. So, I mean, TK has not shied away from taking shots when need be. And like this one was a provoked shot. So it makes all the sense in the world. 
And look, if TK's backed into a corner or something like that, I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if he would do something like this and he did. So, we'll definitely talk about that match and preview it for when we talk about AEW Rampage and Saturday Night Dynamite. But we're going to get right into AEW Dynamite from last week on October 6th, which kicked off in Philadelphia at Temple University. And it was an eight-man tag match between the super elite, the AEW World Champion Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, Bebe, and the Young Bucks versus the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, and Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. That big face-off we got at the end of All Out. We finally got to see the match take place, which was teased all the way back at All Out. And it was great. The crowd was all the way op- over for Luchasaurus, which was honestly cr- quite amazing because, again, Brian Danielson was in this match. But Junk- Jurassic Express, and specifically uh, Luchasaurus, was getting the most ovation out of this match. Um, there was a lot of great offense in this. There, You get a multi-man match with the, with the Elite, the Young Bucks, and all these guys together. You're going to get a ton of great stuff. I especially love, too, because with uh, Brian Danielson's theme, I love how the you're going to get your fucking head kicked in chant has been included in the theme. Because, I mean, the first time you heard it, you couldn't hear it because people were screaming so loud. Um, but the fans have started chanting that chant uh, for Brian Danielson, which is great because I love that chant. Uh, but this was great. The baby faces ended up uh, going over as Luchasaurus, uh, well, the, when the ref comes back in, uh, actually, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, no. That's my my apologies. There was a four way V trigger that was hit. Uh, the baby faces did not go over. Jungle Boy took the pin after a four way V trigger, and that was the end of that match. Um, and yeah, it was a wild match. I especially just loved the love for Luchasaurus. So the fact that the crowd was so hyped for him was great. This was a wild, fun opener, and I really enjoyed it. So. Yes, this match was amazing. I don't know how many times and how many different ways I can say the same thing, that AEW is the best at multi-man matches. It's just uh, they somehow figure out a way to feature everyone. Everyone gets their spot. Everyone gets their shine. And, you know, it goes a little car crashy. Even when they mess up, uh, like they did on the Powerbomb, the Young Bucks... Kenny and Adam Cole just immediately knew how to react and play to the crowd and say, screw you, we did it on purpose, basically. Then you got the four-way the four-way uh, V-trigger, which uh, I've seen uh, GIFs comparing it to the Turtle Smash, where they uh, all the Ninja Turtles take their shell and squash one guy in the middle. They've I've seen that compared. It's been fun. Uh, Adam Cole just, like, he seems like he's been with AEW since day one. He doesn't seem odd. He, I mean, he's new, but he doesn't seem too new. He gets what they're trying to do. He fits right in. Uh, Brian Danielson definitely fits right into what everybody's doing. He's not trying to outshine anyone. It's just great to see eight people work together to put on an amazing match. And, of course, the elite is undefeated because there's an elite Yes, the Super Elite is undefeated. And I especially can say, as a man who like tends to not like multi-man matches, AEW does the best with multi-man matches. So like I, whenever AEW puts one together, and if it includes the Elite or any of these people in the ring, uh, I will always be for it. But 
We then had an announcement from my boy CM Punk talking about when he moved to Philadelphia in 2003 and how he lived there and he ran a wrestling school and he loved it because it gave him so much and because of the money he made wrestling in Philly, uh, he talked about being rich but more so spiritually rich and how he's glad that he's back in the wrestling community back in Philadelphia and he's like, because you guys were special to me, uh, I wanted to give back for you, give it back to you. And uh, he was like, look, you can either get uh, me wrestling for you guys or I'll buy you all cheesesteaks. And uh, asked Philly what it was. And he's like, nah, y'all can buy yourself one. I'll wrestle. Uh, but before this renewed love fest started, someone tried to end it before it even began. Daniel Garcia, if you got balls, you'll meet me on Rampage. Uh, and also, Punk was recently on the Complex show, uh, like which was focused on sneaker shopping. Uh, and he bought a pair, two pairs of Jordans, which totaled to about almost $1,700 total for shoes, and he gave th- the pair of Jordans he was wearing from that shoot to a young fan dressed up as Orange Cassidy, and I'm, like, looking back at that kid, and I'm, like, remembering that video, and I'm like, that kid just made, like, over, like well over $700 or $1,000 just right then and there, and I'm just like... But at the same time, I'm like, I wouldn't sell him either. So that is one one lucky kid. So we got the announcement that Daniel Garcia and Punk would be wrestling on Rampage later that night. This was a this was a fun promo. Uh, Punk is still in that period of just like again working with as many young guys as he can. He hasn't really had much of a like full on blood feud in AEW yet because he's just working with whoever he wants to work with, and. I think it's still so early in the time of Punk being in AEW that I think when we get that first like full on like month long feud with CM Punk, I think it's going to be massive. But I love seeing him just work with all these people that you would never expect him to work with. So this is great, though. Yeah, this was great. Uh, And uh, Punk is like he's happy Punk right now. I mean, I know there's happy Corbin in the WWE, but he's happy CM Punk, which is awesome. I, I, I just think it's I just think it's great that he seems to be just so ecstatic to be back. And but he still has an edge to him. Punk is still in there. The angry punk is still in there. And you know how he's doing it. He's literally going after anyone that has done anything to bring down his happiness. You know, and then Daniel Garcia, you basically you just made the list. Yeah, you made the list of people that have pissed him off, so you're going to feel his wrath, and it's just as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, we then move on to Arn Anderson. It was a ba- it was a little package of Arn Anderson outside of Cody Rhodes' house with a fire pit, and Cody just comes out of his house and is like, the hell are you doing, man? And he immediately Arn asks for Cody to hand over his tie and his suit so he can burn it because he's talking about how Cody has changed. He's gone Hollywood. And Arn, Cody's like, listen, I, I get what you're trying to say. You don't have to – we don't need to throw anything away. It's like I'm not throwing any anything away. Arn slaps Cody in the face and just screams, you threw us away. And he throws the tie into the fire, and they're just kind of quiet afterwards. So, yeah, I- Floyd, your boy. How'd this go for you? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so my friend kind of broke down, you know, Arn's kind of position in this. And all I could say is um, 
yeah, Cody kind of brought him on himself. Uh, Arn is, you know, Cody is my favorite wrestler now. Arn Anderson is my favorite wrestler ever. So when Arn talks, Floyd listens. Like, Floyd listens all the way. So that's how it is. I love what they're doing. I love where this is going. They're going to have to break Cody down to build him back up. They're going to have to take all the flash, all the, all the, uh, all the noise away. I, I mean, I can see this going a lot of different ways. I could see him taking the pyro away from his entrance. Yeah, I, I can I, see I, I could see him making Brandy stay in the back. I could say, see him taking down the destruction. Hey, they're going to have to break Cody down and get him back to the Cody that signed with the company, build him back up. And, like, I can see this ending with him getting a TNT title shot, like, against whoever the TNT champion is, or at least another match with Malachi Black. I like where this is going. I, I feel like this is edgy. I feel like this is more, uh, this is treating your fans with an intellectual, like, IQ that's like, okay, this is going to take a while to fully form, but we have earned, AEW has earned patience. AEW has earned patience, so let it completely pay out. You might not like where it is this week. You might not like where it was next week, but give us a few weeks, and we're going to get you there eventually. And I just love it because there's a lot of storylines going on, a lot of people and big things, but this is kind of that middle this is kind of that mid-card storyline that's building slowly. The Dark Order did it. You know, when you were doing the vignettes and all that kind of stuff. And it was building who the Dark Order was. And then everyone eventually loved it. Give it time. I, they're going to get somewhere. They have a plan. You can tell there's a plan. I just don't know what it is yet. Yeah, and again, like I, I do like the the bare bones of what we have right now with the story, because again, like it it allows Cody to kind of just reinvent himself a little bit, and Arn has been like the star of the show with just completely tearing Cody to shreds. He has managed to just completely capture the hearts of wrestling fans once again, and it's just people want. Cody's just like to something new or different to happen with Cody or just some people want him to go away entirely. So with Arn kind of breaking Cody down and then forcing Cody to adapt and change, like while like some of the ways it's been presented, you might not like at this moment when it all comes together. I think this is going to be huge and it's going to do so much for Cody and so much for AEW. So it's going to be great seeing this unfold as it does. But I don't really I don't really watch the show at all. Uh, Roads to the top. That's why I have Tiffany do the preview. But Absolutely. I would love to see. I don't know if they have behind the scenes of him trying to explain this thought process to Tony. Like. This is what I want to do because this seems like so Cody because it's so even though it's under kind of understated right now, you can tell it's going to be over the top before the end. Like everything has been dramatic with the spray and Arn falling and Arn getting pissed at him for coming to look up. It just seems like every piece is in place. And you're like, while you're watching it, it's like, this is stupid. Believe me, they had me. I'm like, man, I don't understand where this is going. And now that I'm seeing the pieces start to fall away, I'm like, oh, I think this has been planned uh, way longer than I thought. 
Yeah, no kidding. We then had the first TNT Championship defense of the new champion, the Spanish god Sammy Guevara, facing off against the debuting Bobby Fish, formerly of the Undisputed Era. And again, not at all who I thought the first defense would be against. But I mean, this is just a great first, like... We talk about um, how the first defense, like, we all know they're not going to lose the title normally the first defense they have. Um, and we talked about the issue that we had before with uh, with uh, Britt Baker's first defense being against Nyla Rose. While it made sense on paper, it just didn't really capture much. And it just felt like, well, he's gonna, she's going to get her ass kicked. So, you know, there's not much, like, buying into this. But the fact that... Sammy defended against Bobby Fish, like debuting Bobby Fish, was such a great way to start off his reign. And this was a great match too. I mean, Bobby, it's it's weird to see Bobby wrestle singles matches just because we're so used to what he used to do in NXT with the Undisputed Era. But I mean, this guy was doing great stuff in New Japan before NXT anyway. So hell, I mean, I just love the fact that we got this match at all, and that Bobby Fish is all elite. I so happy that he's on here and again never would have expected him to be here but sammy guevara would hit the gth to finish off the match and good first defense but then american top team and dan lambert and scorpio sky surround sammy guevara and just beat the living hell out of him and fuego tried to help but he got beat up too as well then chris jericho and jake hager come to even the odds Baby faces helped save their friend with with the inner circle. Oh my god, the inner circle actually helped out like their teammates. So immediately Jericho goes after Junior Dos Santos, Dan Lambert and them all retreat, and Lambert is getting mega heat. Like this dude, like I mean, we saw the nuclear heat t-shirt from Tessa. This is nuclear heat right here. They you could barely hear Dan talking, saying how, hey. This is the one who's calling the shots. You've been a big man in this business a long time, but Rampage is coming to Miami and South Florida, and that's the home of American Top Team. And there's only one king of the streets in the 315, and that's Jorge Masvidal. So it's our town, our match, men of the year, and Junior Dos Santos with my bodyguard, Jorge Masvidal, at rings out against you and your team, Jericho. And Jericho was talking. His mic cut out at one point, and he just threw it to the ground. Uh, so he eventually got it to work and just said, oh, we're going to beat the living shit out of you, Lambert. And that's really all he needed to say. But I just can't get over the heat that uh, American Top Team has with Dan Lambert, and uh, it's so great. Um, and, yeah, Sammy got a great defense against Bobby Fish. So, I mean, his TNT reign is already off to a very great start. Absolutely. Uh, Bobby Fish is a is a solid to strong just worker he is a veteran of the ring this is exactly the kind of person that sammy needed uh to uh, to draw a good match out of him i love how he reversed some of sammy's like special spots just to build up the intrigue uh the uh i think it was uh the falcon arrow off the top rope that he hit on him that was yes. sweet uh, you know, he took the uh, Spanish fly off the ropes. It was just a, it was just a really gritty type match, and it was it served its purpose. It reminded people that Bobby Fish, you know, just knows how to wrestle. He knows how to wrestle really well, and I was just like, man, this is a great one-off 
uh, appearance for Bobby Fish here, and it it did what it needed to do, establish Sammy as a strong champion as he's going forward and going into his next challenge. Then, then the match was over, and then we got the Dan Lambert who is brilliant at professional wrestling. He uh, wrestling is a lot about understanding your character, understanding your role. I don't think I can say anyone understands their role and their character as with as little wrestling experience as he has than Dan Lambert. He is he is a great heel manager. Not a good heel manager, a great heel manager and you know, cutting the promos, yelling, trying to cut the music off. Uh as you know, Jericho and Hager made me proud. Uh, by coming out there to defend their boy. And now we're getting a six-man match in Miami with Jorge Masvidal. I'm a big Jorge Masvidal fan as a fighter and as the character because he just talks a lot of shit and then he fights. Like, I know he's not doesn't have the like best record or whatever, but I am at most a casual MMA fan. So I, I love MMA fighters that bring a little professional wrestling to the, what, the, the MMA, and Jorge Masvidal does that very well. And so having him as the enforcer in the match on an AEW show in primetime, on a, what I think that that match is on a Friday night, right? Or is that on Saturday? yes? That's on Friday night in Miami. That's going to be killer. Sammy Guevara, somebody that still, even though he's very popular with the AEW audience, needs some of that crossover appeal. This is a big spot for him. Uh, yeah, I just think I think this match is gonna. I think this match is gonna be awesome, and I think we're gonna get something we don't expect. Other than Junior Douglas Santos making his AEW in-ring debut, which is freaking awesome because I imagine if if Del Santos signed anywhere, I would assume it would be the other company. But he's with the hot company right now, which is awesome. Like I'm like, I'm just really looking forward to what's coming there and how it was set up is perfect. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page have this big spotlight on them that it has been brought by Dan Lambert for anyone anyone questions why Dan Lambert's here, this is probably some of the the biggest spotlight match Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page have been in since the men of the year. I mean, I know Ethan Page had his own thing with the uh, casket match. I believe Scorpio Sky had a TNT title match. But them together with all these people, there's going to be the eyes of the United States watching. No question whatsoever. We then had an in-ring announcement with Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards, which was the debut of a brand new championship title. And they talked about how they made history starting Dynamite on TNT. They introduced the TNT championship a year ago. And on January 5th, this show is moving to TBS. And they were going to have a brand new championship, which is the TBS championship. And it will be in the women's division. And it's going to be decided the first champion in a women's tournament next year. And the TBS championship will be moved, will be defended when AEW Dynamite is on TBS. So not only does the men's division have a secondary title, but the women's division has a secondary title too, which honestly I think is a perfect fit because, I mean, it just, it helps allow more women's storylines to be on TV and having another championship for the men's division 
didn't really make a ton of sense because I think AEW is pretty fine with just the the main title, the secondary title, the tag titles, and then you're good. And having another championship for the women's division gives more of the women more chances to shine. So I think this is great. And yeah, I don't really have any issues with this. I love this belt. I, I am going to be an outsider because I was very much AEW has enough belts. I was very much on that. But they have expanded so much and they have so many shows. Dark Elevation, Dark, you know, including Rampage and Dynamite. They have four different TV shows. You know, you know, you want us to turn on YouTube. You want us to uh you want us to watch the YouTube matches. You're gotta kinda give us a reason to care. So I love the expanding of the belts. I'm hoping a six a per a six man tag belt comes on uh, next. Uh, once the show, this match, uh, this belt will be the finals will be on the first episode on TBS in January. At that point, I would like the women's title to pretty much this TNT title to pretty much be exclusively defended on Dynamite. And I would like to see the TNT title exclusively defended on Rampage. I think that would make it special. Uh, and, you know, as we open up more titles, you know, just, you know, they would be there. You know, you can still, like the women's title, the other woman's title can happen on either show. The other men's title can happen on either show. But the idea that specifically the TNT title and the TBS title be defended on their respective channels would add something to each show. It would make Rampage much watch. Like if you want to see the TNT uh, t uh, TNT title defended, you're going to have to watch uh, TBS or what, other way around. I'm getting confused. Yeah. I'm it's getting confused. Good. It's a lot of channels, a lot of names. The TBS title will be on Dynamite. The TNT title will be on Rampage because Rampage will be on TNT and Dynamite will be on TBS going forward after January. Really looking forward. Think it's a pretty belt. I'm not a pretty belt. This belt is a designed well guy. I don't know. I'm not an artist. You should see how I dress. I will tell you. I have no fashion sense. The belt looks fine to me. How do you feel about it? I know. Well, see, I, I'm fine with it because, I mean, you're basically just taking the current TBS logo and plant, putting it on the title the same way they did with the TNT Championship. I think the colors are cool, too. However, people have noticed this with the uh, with the TBS logo, though, how the T and the B are pretty close. And because of it, it makes it look like it says Hose Championship and it's in the women's division. So... I really it, it's a it's a stretch. If really? You look at, yeah, it's a stretch. I feel like if you look at it like that, because I mean, like, again, you, you can pull up a picture of it and squint and be like, yeah, it kind of looks like that. But again, like, I don't know. I don't think it's I don't think it's nearly as it's like the same thing when people were talking about the new uh, United States Championship in WWE and how it looked like there was a penis on there. And I'm like, you're stretching a little bit with that, dude. I had no idea that I am right now years old when I found out that this is a thing. This is crazy to me. Like, dude, I mean, huh? I watch wrestling, so I can't really tell anyone to get a life. But this feels like this is one of those opportunities where I can say, really need to get a life. You 
maybe spend too much time on the internet. And also, too, if you're going to say this is a fail on WWE, I mean, on AEW's part, like, it's the TBS logo. If you just Google TBS on Google Images, you'll see the logo. And if you're looking for the hose uh, thing, you can find it yourself. It's not like AEW made the logo. They just put the network on the belt. So, oh, I mean, like, now I can't unsee it. I just pulled yeah. it off. Now I can't see? unsee it. So, like, H-O-S. But that's not even the, like, correct spelling of hose. Yeah, so yeah, again, like, like, it's like it's a super stretch because it's like, yeah, I guess if you look at it real hard, you can see H O S, but can it be Haas? I yeah, mean, but again, it, and again, it, it's mean, not like it's AEW's choice on like the logo. They just they, they've done the same thing with the TNT championship on TNT. They're doing it with TBS. It's TBS's logo. If you're angry that it's, it looks like it says Hose, tell T tell Turner Broadcasting to change the logo. Yeah, that is hilarious. Like, you just kind of made my night. I'm like, I'm staring at the hose belt. I'm just like, like I said, it's not even the correct spelling of hose. So it's like, I'm like, really? I mean, does it, like, it's not, it would be, it's dumb. And who would do that on purpose? I don't, I don't get it. It's like, maybe, you know what they could do? Because they got till January. Maybe, because you know the TBS logo is kind of silver. Maybe turns the B to a silver B, and then we go Possibly, or yeah. make it blue, like it blue, like the uh, back of the champion. Uh, just make it a different color so it'll look less like that. But I don't think it. Like me personally, I wouldn't do anything. The belt looks amazing. I'm like, if yeah. you if you want to make it that, then go for it. But yeah, people just have too much time on their hand. Damn. Yeah, no question about it. But we'll move quickly on to that, though. Uh, Darby Allen had a singles match against Nick Camarado, and it kind of just led to the moment that happened afterwards because uh, Darby was able to get the quick win with the coffin drop onto Camarado, and then QT Marshall quickly snuck into the ring and hit uh, he hit Sting with the diamond cutter, and then he just completely pops back up, no sells it, Scorpion Death Drop on QT. This would have been fine on AEW Elevation. On Dynamite, it kind of felt like it just didn't necessarily need to be here because it didn't because unless this is building to something with Darby and Sting in the factory, uh, this didn't necessarily need to be here other than to get Sting and Darby on the show. Um, but I will say, Sting popping up, no selling the Diamond Cutter by QT was freaking cool. I can't deny that that wasn't cool. But Darby gets the win. He's still awesome. Yeah, this was this was there. So QT is jealous that somebody else got Scorpion Death Drop. So the little stinger inside that was watching WCW Nitro hoping that Sting with Scorpion Death Drop him had to get his time. And you know what? There's never not a good time for a Scorpion Death Drop. So I, I just love it. I think it was there to pop the crowd, keep Sting busy. And yeah, that was kind of awesome. I'm like, I don't have a problem with it because, you know, these people work their whole lives to get into wrestling and getting dropped by Sting has to be one of those moments that you'll never forget. No question. We then had a couple quick segments, the Dark Order being uh, back on the same page as Uno, Evil Uno apologized for not making the best decisions. They all say we're going to vote now on all decisions. Anna Jay was like, yay, we're all together. And like, made sure that they everyone was on the same page. And then we had Dante Martin in the ring, as he said, was talking about how he had been on a hot streak and how he wants to fight anyone in the AEW locker room. 
and the lights shut off, and a spotlight comes on, and Malachi Black is right behind Dante Martin, blows the mist at Dante, and then hits that roundhouse back heel kick, and he just goes, the House of Black accepts. Dante Martin versus Malachi Black, thank you, may I have more. That's all I have to say. Yes, this is going to be awesome. I love that they're moving Malachi Black forward. I don't know where it's ultimately going to go, but this is a great stop because Dante Martin pretty much has an amazing match with everybody. Alistair Black is, or Malachi Black, I keep going back to Alistair. Malachi (laughs) Black is a super badass, and he has been presented brilliantly, and it's not hokey right now or anything like that. He's just a guy that has a fucking cool entrance. And, of course, you're in Philadelphia. Uh, you doing the lights out. Everybody's like, Sabu! And it's just like, it's that Malachi Black moment. It was it was kind of awesome, kind of an homage to the old ECW. Yeah, and I mean, like, Dante Martin is getting such great responses. People love Malachi Black. And, yes, the best thing they needed to do was to move Malachi away from Cody and the Nightmare family because giving him something different helps uh, kind of reestablish Malachi in AEW as opposed to just fucking with Cody and his friends. And it lets Cody just be off on his own some with uh, with Arn trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So it's nice to keep them separate is the best thing. We then had uh, FTW champion Ricky Starks talking about how He's the FTW champ. They were really doing their best to just showcase all the ECW love in Philadelphia. So he said, listen, I have the same damn mindset as Taz, which is why I'm FTW champ. But former champion Brian Cage does not have that. And Brian didn't show up to work today, so it sucks. I really wanted to wrestle him tonight, so I challenged him to a Philly street fight. Cage then shows up and then proceeds to throw uh Ricky into the turnbuckles and splash onto him. And then powerhouse Hobbs and hooks get out of there and get out there and save him. This would build to what would happen on rampage, which would be the Philly street fight taking place on rampage. And this wasn't the only thing Philly did. Philly got for ECW representation. Taz literally came out and just like said a massive thank you to, uh, to Philly after the show was off the air. Like that was really cool too. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's the place that made it. Taz has been a star all over the world. He has been a, a great, you know, great wrestler, announcer. Uh, I shit. I I actually used to listen to his sports show, which Taz did a sports show, a morning sports show where he just talked about like football and stuff. Very rarely about wrestling, and so I've followed him around. But Taz was never a bigger star ever than he was in East, in Philadelphia, in the ECW arena. Literally, it's like, well, excuse me, figuratively, he was a god there. So, there you go. Absolutely. We then had the match for Hikaru Shida trying to get her 50th win in AEW as she faced off against the Woman of a Thousand Holds. This was my Serena favorite match D. of the night. I just want to yell This was so it. good. Oh my god! I for like I've I've touted so much how much I love Serena Deeb, and I'm still love Hikaru Shida. She really did her best to hold the women's division together during the pandemic, and being the longest champion, reigning champion in AEW, will do that for sure. Uh, this match was just focused on how Serena Deeb would just keep trying and trying and trying to put away Shida, and she didn't just want to be number fifty. She didn't want to be just a 
a little like asterisk in Hikaru Shida's champion, Hikaru Shida's 50th win in her illustrious career. She wanted to be known on her own accord. So she got way more desperate and way more like just panicked during, as the match kept going on at one point, she raked the eyes of Shida and she hit the deep, the deep talks, but no good. It didn't work out. And then, uh, uh, she just then proceeded to just keep trying and trying and trying. Uh, and, eventually got the serenity lock and got Sheeta to tap out and then proceeded to get that trophy that was presented about Sheeta's 50th win, smashed it over the head of Hikaru Sheeta, turning heel. And yes, oh my God, this worked so well. I thought Serena Deeb uh, as a baby face is fine because people know who Serena is and they respect her and all that. But just Deeb as a heel, I just think, is going to allow for so much more freedom. And I think she can be very vicious, just being how technically sound and great of a wrestler she is. I think she could be so good as a heel in AEW. And I know she's shown it outside of AEW, how she can be a great heel. But I'm so for this. And to do it against Sheeta, too, going for her 50th win, too, just worked so well. Because people just was like, it'd be awesome if she got the 50th win. And Serena D would be an awesome person to win it against. And then she just proceeds to fuck that all up. And then just be like, no, I'm not a statistic in your career. I'm Serena fucking Deeb. So, yes, you said a lot about a lot of what I was going to say. But before this match, I was in the Social Suplex chat on Facebook, and I said, I need uh, Serena Deeb to win this match. And somebody was like, why? I was like, dude, just announcing 50, then she just wins and gets to 50. It's boring. I need something more. Then the match played out, and it wasn't me calling it. It In no way am I taking credit for calling it. I was just like, it just seemed too plain straightforward. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh. So when Jungle Boy went for Torres 50 to win, he just went in and won it. So I feel like that set up this moment because it literally lowered everyone's expectations. It made everyone think that Cheetah was just going to win this match and get to the 50. Then the shocker came. Uh, uh, Serena Deeb turning heel just getting really, really aggressive, slamming that knee into the mat like five times, unprotected, then wrenching back on the serenity lock. Not only did she beat Hikaru Shida, she tapped her out in the middle of the ring for her not to get the 50th win. Then she slams the into the face to say, I am not a stepping stone in your career. I am not this glossy thing i'm not this trophy that you get to hang up and say you got me i am one of the best women's wrestlers in the world former nwa champion respect me and that's what she did she beat the respect in the sheeta i love this new serena deep i want her twisting and hurting everybody going forward i'm sorry if i repeated what austin said he made a lot of amazing points but they were like the points I was going to make, too. So I just made them again. So, done. <laughs> no, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. But Darby Allen then got interviewed by Alex Marvez outside the arena and uh, was talking about MJF uh, challenging uh, 
Darby Allen to face him on Dynamite next week. Darby was like, absolutely. A limousine then pulls up and then some masked people. I wonder who they are. They jump out of the limo and beat the shit out of Darby Allen. And I don't know why they really wore masks. It didn't necessarily have to happen. I mean, like, I don't know why they would wear it like it to hide their face. Like, so people didn't know who it was. But I mean, like. It's not like they even took it off either. They just wore all, like the entire pinnacle just wore the mask. Whoa, 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 whoa. The pinnacle? I, mean, I, I, a- I saw five random guys beat up Darby. I mean, they should call the police. This was an assault. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. This pinnacle thing. You sure about that last uh, guy? You sure it, that wasn't MJF? I, all I know is I was out to dinner with the pinnacle that evening. So oh, you're their alibi. So they couldn't have beat up Darby. I was there with them. We were having steak. I was there at the grassy yeah, knoll. I, I was there with them. We were having steak, medium with ketchup on top. Yeah, it was a great time. FTR was there. I was talking to Uncle Dex. He gave me a fist bump. You know, and Warlow was just standing there quiet. He didn't say anything. It was a good time. So I have no idea what everybody's talking about. If, uh, the Pinnacle was not even in the building at the time. They were with me. These five guys, these monsters, attacked Darby for no reason. Oh, I'm so sad. Okay. We'll just, I guess we'll just move on from that. <laughs> uh, Leo Rush uh, was backstage talking about uh, Dante Martin, how he's going up against uh, uh, Malachi Black. And, like, look, you're a sleeping giant. If you take that challenge from Malachi Black, you might need some guidance, and I'll have my people call you, and uh, we'll talk soon. So, seeming almost as if Leo's positioning himself as a manager as opposed to a wrestler, at least at the start of this whole thing, which I think is fair. I mean, like, he's done a lot more, like, stuff outside of wrestling with his music career and all that kind of stuff, and, I mean, he carries himself with that kind of, like, like... He just carries himself to someone who would seem like he could be a good manager. Um, but yeah, I didn't didn't expect him to kind of go by this sort of mindset. But Dante working with Leo, I think those two guys are just crazy high flyers. And I mean, like, that just seems like a match made it for heaven. But at the same time, it's almost as if you're doing top flight again, but just with Leo Rush. So I, I like Leo Rush in the player coach type of a role. It being called, you know, like L is it LBO, right? Uh, uh, I think so. Yeah, it reminds me too much of Hardy Family Office, especially. Yeah, it's kind of another thing. Yeah, yes. like that. Yeah, but it also and at the same time too, like you you see, I feel like a lot of people are going to compare it to MVP too. Yeah, and he's kind of manipulating Dante Martin. Leo Rush is amazing on the mic. One of my favorite periods of his career outside of just wrestling because he's a phenomenal wrestler. I I will never – his skills are just amazing. But outside of that was the time when he was doing Lashley, Lashley. I truly think he took Lashley to another step forward in his career. And so I do think he has a great chance of elevating Dante Martin, who's not amazing on the mic yet, having a mouthpiece in Leo rush, who is really good on the mic. I think works. I'm going to wait 
before I say it to anything else to see how they differentiate it. But that initial reaction, initial gut came off as Hardy Family Office. But I'm going to let it play out before I say, oh, this is, you know, because you want to give it time. The thing with AEW is sometimes they start something and then it expands and it's completely different than how it began. So I'm just going to go ahead and just, I'm going to hold off on judgment on where we're going with Leo Rush. All right. Well, we get to the main event, the casino ladder match to determine the future AEW World Championship title uh, uh, number one contender. Andrade El Idolo, John Moxley, the Murderhawk Monster, Lance Archer, Big Money Matt Hardy, Freshly Squeezed Orange Cassidy, Pac, and the Joker, which we can just say cowboy shit's back. It's Hangman Adam Page returning after being away. He comes back to a mega pop. And this match was filled with a lot of high spots. People are just going to remember it because Hangman came back. It was a great moment with him winning the match. He is finally on his way to get getting that AEW championship match against Kenny Omega. We got it finally. Like it, it, it all didn't make a lot of sense when he didn't win against the when the Dark Order and Hangman lost against the Elite. And we were all like, well, what the hell? And like, oh, it was supposed to be at All Out. It was going to be perfect. And now we're most likely going to get it at full gear. It's his pay-per-view. It's named after his little joke that they had on being the elite. This is this is it. This is just this is what we needed. And now we can finally get Kenny versus Hangman, and it's going to be outstanding. All is right in the world of Mr. J.R. Perez. He will probably be on the show next week. Uh, but he, uh, this week, I will talk in his hand. Finally, finally, we are getting Kenny in the main, probably getting Kenny in the main event of a pay-per-view. Full gear, his pay-per-view, Minnesota, cowboy shit. Did you hear the pop when he came out? This is what uh, people have been waiting for for months. Anybody... And you can please go check out One Nation Radio where you can hear Rich's Rich and uh, James's victory lap as they have been telling everybody not to worry about Hangman. People, we, us on this show have been telling everybody not to worry about it because Hangman was back. We had our very hilarious moment with JR next week last week where he didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And we were talking about Hangman coming back. Uh, Hangman is back. He is the number one contender. He did some cowboy shit. It is amazing. I am happy. You know, um, I'm from Oklahoma. I've literally never wore a belt buckle in my life, but I kind of want to go get a belt buckle with a big-ass horse on it for the Minnesota show. If there was any person from AEW to have belt buckles that isn't just like the championship belt buckles that Pro Wrestling T sells... I would think Hangman would have a belt buckle sold on Shop AEW. Absolutely. He definitely needs one, and it, it has to be a horse. And it has to be, like, the horse running logo that he has. Dude is just, like I said, he's so over. I felt like he's, even though he's wrestled other places, he is the first homegrown AEW star. And it's his time. It's his time. I don't, I think... Like, I might be on my own, but I think, you know, they got to pull the trigger at full gear. No question. It's got to be because, I mean, like, people wanted it to happen. It kind of got taken away, 
and then like now they're getting the chance again. If he doesn't win this time, people are I think actually get mad about the booking because it, it it just makes all the sense in the world for Hangman to win now. But that was AEW Dynamite finished off and kicked off with a bang and had a lot of great stuff in the middle too. But we're gonna move quickly over to AEW Rampage as we started things off with CM Punk facing off against Daniel Garcia. And this was a very strong match, I think. This had a lot more technical-related stuff in the match. Punk really trying to work away and out-wrestle Daniel Garcia. But eventually, while the referee was distracted, 2.0 start working on the leg of CM Punk, slamming it into the ring post. Punk is having a lot of trouble moving around, and they just proceed to just work on that knee as much as they possibly can. And because he was trying to basically stop him from doing the GTS. It didn't end up working. Punk did a lot of stuff working back out. I will say his dive from the top rope onto the outside almost felt like he dove through all three of them. Like he kind of just went through them and they fell because he kind of looked, it looked like he hit the ground pretty fast and pretty hard in that spot, but he seemingly was fine. Eventually he hit a springboard clothesline, a pile driver and then finished it with the Anaconda Vice, which I also like too because didn't force him to use his his knee, which was already injured uh, in the match, and he ended up finishing it with the Anaconda Vice. Like instead of like, oh, the knee was worked, but he still used his knee to win the match. He ended up actually working the Anaconda Vice back in to get the tap out victory and still remaining undefeated in AEW. It's my boy. You know exactly what I'm saying. This was the best part of the show. Um, yeah, he gave, I think he gave Daniel Garcia a lot. Uh, he looked like, he's looked like a star in pretty much all his matches, but he's looked like more of a star. It was more of a, more of, you know, a, a platform for him. I do think personally, CM Punk, if you want ratings, he is going to have to have challengers that you think he can lose to. I think that's the thing is like. Right, it's it's still kind of the honeymoon phase right now with CM Punk and AEW and CM Punk in wrestling. Because now they're just like, face as many people as you possibly can. We just want you to really work. He wants to work with these young guys. He wants to be able to help shine a light on people that haven't had the, a light shined on before. It's it's still very early in CM Punk. And that's the thing I want to say, too. Is like I think people are underestimating, I think, how long Punk will actually be in AEW. Because, I mean, like, we've got time. So I think right now he's just trying to get as many matches out of as many people as he wants. But that's what I keep saying. That first blood feud, that first feud that really takes some time and has a lot of energy to it and has a lot of background towards it. And, I mean, hell, it's like... I don't even feel like comfortable uh, extending it, the idea, because I know it's been thrown around too, but it's like, it's there if they're, I don't know what their history is, but like if his first blood feud was Colt Cabana, I mean like, my God, the crowd would be insane for that. I don't know what the, if the issues between them are still there or if they're mended and everything like that. But regardless of the fact though, the moment Punk gets a new blood, like an actual legitimate heated feud that lasts more than just a few weeks, I think is going to really help just d- get people even more invested in Punk being there instead of it just being like, I love that I'm back in wrestling. And then he beats up a uh, he, he he showcases a young guy but still gets a win. I think once that b- 
that massive feud happens, a lot more people will be fully interested. But I'm just I fucking don't care. It's still CM Punk and wrestling, and it's amazing. Yes, and I I will say this: Punk and Cole Cabana, if they decided to do anything, would be professionals because they're professional wrestlers. You know what I mean? They work. They've been in wrestling way too long. They've worked with people that if they don't like each other, if I'm saying if. They don't like each other. They've worked with people they don't like before, you know? May may we remember yeah. right back. Yes. So you go out there, you do business, you go home. So if they can tell a good story, they can put on a great show, that's you know, that's great. Like I said, it's just he's kinda in these job matches right now, you know, CM Punk. He's given a lot and that's great. And he's being a team player, but it's like he has to be the star. You know what I mean? He has to, you know, he, he, they're using him a lot for Rampage to be the draw for Rampage. So, you know, I'm not saying, oh, like, let's do CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. But, you know, you can step it up a notch. Yeah, I think, and I think so too. And again, it's, I I will say, it's another instance where we have to be patient. So, oh, completely, completely. This is just a knee jerk reaction because, Last Friday was literally the lowest rated Rampage ever. So uh, CM Punk, it just seems like just having CM Punk on the show is not doing what it did. People want to see CM Punk in a match that matters. I'm not saying for the title, but just a little bit more important than the people they have been presenting with him lately. Yeah, and then Leo Rush then had another thing with Dante Martin and Matt Seidel as well. Because Matt and Dante had been teaming a lot recently. Uh, and L- L- Matt was calling out Leo for not having true intentions. And Leo was like, no, what we have is real. And what I'm selling is real. But you're the only one that needs to prove their worth. How about I get you a match next week on Rampage with CM Punk? And Matt Seidel was like, well, I make moments. And I'll make a moment with CM Punk. Let's freaking do it if you can get make that happen. Which he will next week on Rampage. Punk versus Matt Seidel. It's as if we're back in WWE and CM Punk is having a singles match with Airborne, Evan Bourne. Yes, is this ECW on Sci-Fi? I don't know. It's almost like it is a little bit. Yes, so yeah. I did like that CM Punk won with the Anaconda Vice. They are getting that over again. I I know he's going to do it for a pay-per-view, but dude, I will tell you right now, I might pee myself the first time he does a Pepsi plunge. Please. Fucking yeah, yes, like just completely empty my bladder. Uh, look at the person. He did the Pepsi twist, so I mean, like, come yeah, on, man, it's, it's coming. But I know he's. It's gonna be a big moment, you know. He he's not giving us everything now, no. so I completely understand, and I'm completely patient. Shit, if he doesn't pull it out till in Chicago next year in August, I'm fine. But I'm just saying, whenever he decides to pull it out, I will relieved of all the liquids in my body because I will be so excited. That's one of my, it's one of my favorite moves ever. And it's just like, and it's such a good and unique move. Who else has tried to pull it off? No one. That is punk's move. Yep. Now we then had the AEW world tag team championships being defended by the Lucha bros as they defended it against the acclaimed. Now this I will say, because I've talked about it before, Max Caster's bars this time was much better than his, like, approved by AEW verse that was given to him, where he was kind of being, like, confused as he was reading it. I get the joke that he was telling, but, uh, yeah, this was better. 
And uh, this was really good, too. I mean, Lucha Bros are still absolutely crazy. It was a little quicker than I would have expected. Uh, the Acclaimed had some stuff included into it, but it was mostly just the Lucha Bros really giving it to the Acclaimed for a good m- a bit of the match. Uh, Lucha Bros got the stuff package pile driver for the finish. I mean, it made sense they weren't losing to the Acclaimed, uh, who have a lot there, but like they're trying to regain momentum after Max was off TV for a while. Um, and yeah, Lucha Bros are still an incredible tag team champions. They're great. I love it. And yeah, this was fine. I felt like. Yes, uh, this was a great title defense. This was uh, Max Caster right now is he's this flow before the show, and it's his flow was amazing, and the match was really really good. I really like Anthony Bowens. I like 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 he's kind of the worker of the group, even though Max is a very capable wrestler. But it, that all was great. Uh, but it just I, I just have to get to that point where I just know the Lucha Bros can just have an amazing match with anybody. And they, they proved it once again. They can have an amazing match with anybody. Not a good match. An amazing match. And this was this was probably the best match I've seen. Uh, you know, um, what is it? The acclaimed. I had to do the A in the air to remember the name. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The acclaimed have, and it was great, and another great successful title run for the Lucha Bros. Yes, we then had Jade Cargill in action against Sky Blue. This was pretty much a squash. Like, this is a quick, under a minute match. Jade Cargill getting the win. Get, she uh, got jaded, put put down on Sky Blue, and yeah, it was very quick. She then uh, was beating up Sky after the match before Thunder Rosa grabbed a steel chair and came and saved Sky Blue. They retreated. Uh, there's not much we can really say about this because it was just a super quick match. I mean, yeah, like it's build- they're really protect. They're still protecting Jade by not giving her a ton of time, and they're building tension. For the tournament that's coming up, and yes. so this match served a purpose. Uh, I, I, it's, I, I want to for the stopwatch people out there, the people who are like, oh, this women's match only lasted this long, and this match only takes a lot of time. Did it tell the story that it was supposed to tell? Goldberg used to have forty-five second, one-minute matches, and you know what? He got over, like nuclear over. Telling these three-minute stories, right? Because every story effectively told who every match told who Goldberg was. He was this dominant champion that dominated everything. In this match, this two-minute match solidified Jay's character as a dominant force of nature, undefeated, sixteen and zero or seventeen and zero. She is she she's not anyone to mess with. And Thunder Rosa came and messed with her. So now you have the first person that's really, really willing to bring the fight to Jay to get in her business. That three, two, three minute match, I forgot how long the stopwatch people said, told the correct story that it needed to tell in that little amount of time. Jade shouldn't be having a long match with Sky Blue because Jade is protected and is a bigger star than Sky Blue. This match lasted exactly how long it was supposed to. Yeah, and that's really all we can say right now as we get into the main event of Rampage. 
FTW Championship on the line. Absolute Ricky Starks versus the Machine Brian Cage. Now, I will say, I kind of hope this is the end of this because Brian Cage uh, got a lot of offense in this match. There was a lot of trash cans and weapons being used, a steel pipe being used, uh, which, I mean, like, the pipe was driven into the throat of Brian Cage at one point. Uh, Brian Cage getting close to actually winning the match, and then Hook and Hobbs is sent by Taz, and then they just proceed to really mess up uh, uh, Brian Cage. And it seemed like Brian Cage was actually going to fall at one point because uh, Ricky Starks was then hit uh, with the discus lariat. Uh, He then... Uh, just had Hobbs barely get uh, a foot onto uh, Brian Cage to stop the three count. And then uh, he was climbing the turnbuckles, hooks, low blows him. And then Rochambeau, team, the FTW championship, is retained by absolute Ricky Starks. And it's another win for Ricky continuing to really showcase himself. And again, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily like hurt Brian Cage either because all three men had to do shit in order to make sure Brian lost. So it makes sense as to why he won. But again, I kind of want Ricky to kind of move off and do his own thing. And I think Brian can do the same thing. Because um, again, like this feud has had some uh, supporters behind it. It's just not necessarily been me because I'm like people adamantly really like what Ricky's bringing. And they just don't really care about Brian Cage at this point. And I think there needs to be a situation where we kind of figure out what's wrong and what's not getting over before we can like keep this feud going i think this is a fair enough conclusion to it even though the heel one i guess or heel i guess i can say yeah i'm kind of tired of this feud i i am because it's not a feud ricky wins every time i mean is that i mean is it's like a it's it's like a rivalry where one team loses like a hundred games in a row. It's like not really a rivalry. It's only a rivalry to the team that loses every year. The team that wins. Yeah, it's kind of like Michigan yeah. Ohio State the last yeah. few years. Yeah, so it's like okay, this is a rivalry to Brian Cage, but to Ricky Starks, this is a weekly win. So either Brian Cage goes and finds friends, or he keeps losing, and it's just no, I don't know. Brian Cage is one of those people that I honestly thought would be featured way heavier in AEW. He's been in the main events of matches. I'm saying he's been featured fine, but, you know, I thought he would, you know, be in that world title picture a lot more. He is very unique. You know, he's one of one in this company. No one else looks like Brian Cage. You know what I mean? It's just like no one. I mean, a lot of people can do what he does, but no one has that uh, combination of size, explosiveness, and speed like Brian Cage. So I hope they have a plan for him going forward. I I, I don't think he's unhappy. I don't. I really don't. I think he's working with his friends. But I don't know that. I don't know that this is complete speculation. I don't know Brian Cage. This is me guessing. But it just seems like he might be a little frustrated where, where his spot is. And I kind of understand him because he's like fresh, fresh, fresh. On a national platform, really, Brian Cage is fresh. He is not the size, the speed combination, the explosive in the combination. Literally, no one else has that. So I hope in the future, AEW can find a way to use him more. But uh, this match was fine. Uh, got a little hardcore for the people in Philly. The right person won, which was Ricky Starks. 
he won the right way as to protect Brian Cage. But yeah, it was kind of underwhelming. Yeah, and I think Brian has the ability to succeed because, I mean, when he came into AEW, there was a lot of hype around him, and he did a lot of great stuff when Team Taz was just Taz and Brian Cage. However, it's just, we just need something new to kind of allow us to have another look at Brian in a different feud, I think. Because, again, with Team Taz, all members of Team Taz have kind of had uh, issues with how they kept losing for the longest time. And I think now that Ricky Starks is doing his thing with team Taz and he's kind of elevated team Taz by being himself and being the FTW champion and CM Punk has helped elevated other guys like, uh, powerhouse Hobbs and even hook, uh, on the side. And I think now it's just get Brian into something different, allow him to thrive in a separate feud. And I think there is a chance for this, for everybody, for both parties to have a successful, stuff outside of this feud but that was AEW rampage we have covered AEW in the week however we have one more thing to cover from AEW this week before we get to our previews for rampage and saturday night dynamite yes uh this week's uh roads to the top review with all things elite oh excuse me uh the heart of the elite's own tiffany Hard, uh, so um, this show this week, they did two episodes. Tiffany recaps them all for the, all the people that might not have time to watch Road to the Top, such as myself. Very thorough review. I thank you, Tiffany, for providing this to us every week. Here is your seven minutes with All Elite Tiffany. Hey everybody, this is All Elite Tiffany representing Heart of the Elite and I am here with your All Things Elite Roads to the Top recap and review. We were treated this past Wednesday to two episodes of Roads to the Top, 30 minutes each immediately following AEW Dynamite and it was loaded. Um, Very, very much enjoyed these episodes not only because I enjoyed the show and Cody and Brandy, of course, and the, you know, family, the Rhodes family and the friends of Cody and Brandy, but also because these two episodes heavily focused on Double or Nothing Weekend, which Floyd and I, of course, were there. So not only were the episodes enjoyable just as a fan of the show, but also on a personal note, you know, for us, because we were there and it was kind of like reliving that weekend, but it also added a lot to the weekend, you know, things that you just you don't really know you know are going on and it kind of just puts things into perspective and you know it just gives you a whole new outlook on things and I think that's what's so special about Roads to the Top is is that behind the curtain look at pro wrestling and Cody and Brandy's lives what they're going through and it really does make this show super special um I will go ahead and go over some of the notes that I made about these episodes one being the Nightmare Express so Cody and Brandy are getting ready to go to Jacksonville for Double or Nothing weekend and Brandy is you know Cody says you know how are we going to get there and you know Brandy assumes they're going to fly and he says no I've got the Nightmare Express which if you follow Cody on Twitter you have seen that enormous bus with the nightmare family rap featuring pharaoh and cody says you know it's a statement piece we're gonna arrive in style and take the nightmare express to jacksonville 
And Brandy seems a little bit on the fence about it, but she says, you know, as long as I've got the bed in the back, uh, we're good. I'm going to go ahead and, and go with it. So um, we we see later in the episode that Cody, um, you know, he, he tries so hard and does so much, but he forgot to get the bed installed in the bus. So Brandy is not too pleased when they initially get on the road to Jacksonville for Double or Nothing weekend. But thankfully, everything kind of blows over. And, you know, Brandy said, basically, hey, you know, as a chief brand officer of a company, I have to learn to let things go. So, you know, once once it blew over a little bit, Brandy was back out there with QT and Cody on the bus and, and making some pretty great, uh, making a pretty great gynecologist joke. I'm not going to repeat here, but you should definitely watch to hear it because it was hilarious. And I am always here for Brandy and her uh, very blunt way of putting things and the jokes she makes it it's great brandy is just absolutely a gem so yes so they take the nightmare express to jacksonville and you know like i said a little bit of a a rough start to that trip but it all it all ended up seeming to work out thankfully um we do get to see some footage of the nightmare factory qt marshall preston vance and ricky starks are shown as coaches and trainers uh, at the nightmare family or the nightmare factory excuse me alongside cody so it's pretty cool to get to see footage of the nightmare factory and it, we do get to see i believe next week um or this coming Saturday at this point, um, we're going to get to see more footage of the Nightmare Factory, which I think is pretty cool, which is Cody and QT's wrestling school. So that's a really, really cool inside look um, that I look forward to on Saturday, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, so we kind of get a little bit of a, a behind the scenes look at the school. And then later in the episode, we have uh, QT, Preston Vance and Ricky Starks coming over to help Cody assemble the baby, some baby furniture, the swing stroller and the uh, the car seat, which gives them the most trouble. It's pretty hilarious watching these four guys Um just fighting with a car seat in the back of Cody's uh, truck. So definitely worth checking out and uh, seeing what, what ensues there. Um, you get to see also a really nice moment between Cody's sister, Teal, and Cody coming over to hang out with her. Um, it's become pretty known on the show that Teal and Brandy are not super close. So um, Cody says, you know, with that being a factor and the fact that he's just so busy, they don't get too much time to hang out. So sometimes he just has to pop over. So he does and get some nice sisterly advice about raising a daughter because Teal has a daughter herself and a son. And um, but yeah, about being a, a, a new a new father to a daughter. And um, it was just a really special moment there. Um, we end the ep first episode with the weigh-in segment from the Dynamite Before Double or Nothing, which completely bombed. The scale wouldn't work. Epi the next episode rolls into the aftermath of that. And I just felt really bad for Cody because the whole thing just kind of bombed. And, you know, he he's so concerned about Anthony Agogo looking good and the fans wanting to watch this match. And you could see it just really weighs heavily on him when something like this doesn't go as planned. Um, we get to see a really great moment between Eric Bischoff and Cody. Um, a great chat talking about Dusty, very emotional, and I really love stuff like that. It's it's special to get to see Cody talk with people who have been in his life and in his family's life for so long and just, you know, have those heart-to-hearts. Um, Brandy has... Um, 
backstage where she is talking to um, higher ups in AW about her time off and that she's really worried about her spot in the company, not wanting to take a lot of time off because she doesn't want to be forgotten about. This leads to a moment between Cody and Dustin, probably one of my favorite moments of both episodes where um, she wants to give Dustin a personal goodbye because he's one of the members of the Rhodes family who accepted her right away and they are very close and it was just a really really wonderful moment between Brandy and Dustin. Dustin was very supportive of Brandy and it was really heartfelt and touched me and I and I absolutely love that between them and I'm so glad that Brandy has that ally in Dustin and the Rhodes family. Um, the ending of the episode we kind of get into before the match with a go-go Cody's back is in really bad shape. He says he's been dealing with back pain since 2011. He sees um, Doc Sampson. He has four herniated discs in his back. And through all of this, his main concern is that Anthony Agogo looks good in the match, which again, just, uh, I can't say enough the kind of person Cody Rhodes is. Um, he is in pain, a lot of pain, experiencing numbness and his main thing is I need to make sure this match goes well so Anthony looks good um, at double or nothing. So the match goes off um, without a hitch, thankfully. It's a great match. An um, Anthony looks fantastic in the match. Cody wins, but Anthony absolutely looks stellar in the match. Again, Cody's main concern is a go-go. And um, Brandy is concerned following the match just how Cody is going to do all of this, that he's spreading himself so thin. So that's kind of where we end this episode. It looks like next week or on the next episode, which is going to be Saturday, guys, directly following AEW Dynamite special day, Saturday night Dynamite, followed by Roads to the Top. Don't miss it. We are going to have the episode, it looks like, where Brandy goes into labor and we have Liberty Iris entering the world. And I really look forward to seeing that and what else they have in store for us. So don't miss it. Great shows. You can watch them on demand if you have cable or on the TNT app. Roads to the Top, again, coming up this Saturday with a brand new episode following a special AEW Dynamite on Saturday night. Don't miss it. All right. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for that Roads to the Top review. Remember, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to find Tiffany on social media, you can find her at All Elite Tiffany on Twitter. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. Well, with that, we can get to our preview for AEW Rampage and Saturday Night Dynamite. Now, the buy-ins for Rampage were announced, and my goodness, we have two matches that were announced. Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki and Bobby Fish versus Lee uh, Moriarty, I think is how you pronounce Moriarty. it. Moriarty. 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 You like the Sherlock Holmes villain. Oh, Moriarty. Yeah, Moriarty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I had, a, I had an ex that would watch that show constantly. Yes. Uh, it's a great show. That's why. Uh, it is a good show, yeah. yeah but yeah. those are the buy-in matches, first off. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. That You know what it reminds me of, makes me think of, a WrestleMania weekend main event match. Like, the, uh, the, a WrestleMania weekend show. Like, you're uh, going in for um, you, WrestleCon, and they got the WrestleCon Super Show, and they need a main event that's going to draw uh, everyone to the office and uh, to the show. Oh, we're just going to have Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki dream match. Yeah, you get that on YouTube on Friday night for free. 
yeah, so enjoy because holy shit, that match is going to be insane. And seeing Bobby Fish continue to wrestle in AEW, I'm all for because I think he can do a lot in AEW as well. But moving into the actual matches on television, CM Punk versus Matt Seidel on Rampage. Ruby Soho will be in action as she faces off against Allie the Bunny. And then we have Sammy Guevara, Jake Hager, and Chris Jericho of the Inner Circle against Men of the Year and Junior Dos Santos in his first match in AEW with Dan Lambert and Jorge Masvidal on ringside. And then on Saturday Night Dynamite, we are getting Dante Martin versus Malachi Black as we saw uh, take place on Dynamite. And Brian Danielson versus Bobby Fish. And Lucha Bros versus a mass tag team only known to Andrade for the AAA Tag Team Championships. And a world title eliminator tournament will be starting off and will finish off at full gear where we'll have another new number one contender crowned at full gear. Yes, uh, this is a a pretty solid lineup. I don't think it's amazing. I I do think this is more of a lineup for good uh, casual fans because people that know the name Jorge Monsaldal and Junior So Santos are going to be tuning in. Uh, I love that Ruby Soho and the Bunny are going to be on there because they're going to they're gonna have a really good match, I believe. Um, Brian Danielson versus Bobby Fish, that's just going to be a classic wrestling match. And the Lucha Bros versus a mystery tag team. God, very rarely... Very rarely does AEW not deliver on the mystery tag teams. So I'm looking forward to who, who that mystery tag team. And as this story goes forward with Andrade, uh, look forward to that. And the world title eliminator tournament, who's going to be in it? Is this how they're going to get Daniel Bryan into the title picture? Uh, or Bryan Danielson? Wow, I'm I'm so WWE-fied sometimes. I guess so, man. Yeah, yeah, I still use the wrong names. I've been saying his right name all show, busted out the old name. It's okay. Hey. It's like it's like with JR, the one thing that they mess up that's what fans are going to just latch on to because... Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, and, and, and it's like, yeah, I'm significantly younger than J, uh, JR, and I make the mistakes too because you just remember people with certain names. It's difficult. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Eliminator because I love tournaments. Tournaments are my jam. So I love the, uh, that a tournament's coming. And I'm more than likely it's Wednesday or, yeah, Wednesday morning when we're recording this show. So they're going to probably announce at least two more matches for Dynamite. I am looking forward to what those are. I think it's going to be a big show. Uh, and Tony Khan has got the full court press on basically support AEW. Beat the shit out of SmackDown this week. Yeah, and if that if that legitimately happens too, like, oh, the smack talk, oh, yes, yeah, and it's like it's <clears throat> it was just it was kind of cool. You'd very rarely get a call to arms, and then that's what it was. It was like let's beat SmackDown, and it's just like people were like, well, I don't like that. He brings up WWE. I'm like WWE's the big boy in the block. To to reference college football, in ref- reference college football. You know what? You need to be, if you want to win a national title, it goes through Alabama. It reference NFL football. Every team in the NFL drafted so they could beat Kansas City. You know, it's just when you're the big boy on the block, people gonna say your name. AEW, yeah. AEW is not the big boy. The, uh, the big boy is WWE. They are the bully on the block. They are the man on the block, and AEW is trying to knock them off that block. 
You know, and it's it would it'd be it'd be stupid for them not to take this bait too, because if they lose, oh, you went up against SmackDown on Fox. What did you think was gonna happen? If you win, you beat SmackDown on Fox. And if you lose, they had a thirty year advantage. <laughs> you know what i'm saying yes exactly it's like it's like a no kind of no lose situation i know tony's not going in looking to lose and if you are at home on a friday night uh whether you're young or old please take your time and your seconds i know nielsen box and all that stuff but i'm telling you there's other ways to figure out who's watching the show make sure your tv is tuned in to rampage and you're enjoying the show and i will never tell you not to watch wwe because that's just silly because wwe's been around for a long time it's for some people it's a part of the schedule all i've ever said watch AEW first then watch wwe watch wwe on dvr saturday morning you need you you need something to do saturday morning before football starts or before you gotta go to the zoo or some birthday party you don't go want to go to boom smack now there you go. Exactly. There you go. But that, I think, is going to wrap it up on All Things Elite this week. Uh, thank you guys so much for taking uh, the time to listen to the show. We always do appreciate it. Remember, if you listen to us on Google or Apple Podcasts, you can download this fine show. And if you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platform, you can share us with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. That means the world to us. You can leave a rating and a review. You can leave a donation through Red Circle. But on Twitter, we are at ATElitePod, at Social Suplex, other guys that make this show possible. Please be sure to check out all their other shows on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I'm just going to send it to my man Floyd to take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. I am just going to... this. I like to thank everybody that takes a moment to download a show, listen to a second, whatever. Make sure you're supporting all the different shows on the Social Suplex. But I am only going to leave you with two words this week. And it's very important two words. Be nice. And other than that, whether it's home, work, and school, always do your best to be elite. All right. There you go. Cool.